God is definitely not someone that is being preached about in most churches. We tend to think that there is only A and B with God because there's only A and B with us. God's a lover and he's a forgiver, but I think a big misconception is that that's all that God is. God is as just as he is loving. Our minds can't even comprehend how great he is, how big he is, how vast he is. And the Bible tells us that he loves us, he is love, but the Bible also tells us to fear God. He's not our BFF. God is someone that loves us so much that uh, he will remove things out of our life that we hold on to. You do not define God. I do not define God. God is self-defining. God is not a matter of opinion. Hey everybody, this is the third time trying to record the intro. This is the Let God Die podcast. This is Josh. And this is Calvin. Um, and today we have Omer Young. Um, Omer is not young. Um, he is a 76-year-old man that we know. That was a weird way to intro him. Um, <laughs> Omer has a lot of insight on a lot of things. He definitely is a very intentional guy. Um, I met him at a house show that I was hosting and uh, he just kind of pulled me aside and opened my eyes to some things that he noticed just observing people and the way they're interacting with each other and the way that they're carrying themselves. And uh, through talking with him that first time that I met him, it really just uh, made me realize that we needed to start worship nights in our area and uh, just to provide community in a different type of way. So um, in a lot of ways, he like really changed the way that we went about a community in the Downriver, Michigan area. Um, so I'm really excited to have him on and share his heart and share his story. Before we get into that real quick, I uh, just want to kind of catch you guys up on some life. Um, I just moved to Pennsylvania a couple weeks ago. What, what? And I'm uh, in Michigan right now with Cal, so I'm really glad that we get to record this together in person. Uh, things have been uh, pretty, pretty good. I feel like it's been pretty fast paced. You know, life has that thing where, you know, it kind of feels like it never slows down. Mm-hmm. But um, by God's grace, man, like handling every day, like just looking for opportunities to like better love Jesus and to be changed. Uh, was kind of stressed out past two weeks, just dealing with, uh, you know, everyday things, family, work, uh, potential job change. So like all those things still up in the air. But um, now coming off of the end of all that, like just feeling really refreshed. That's it. So, so you, had an been, inter- you had an interview, right? Yeah, dude. Um, Forever 21. I know like it's weird. Like Forever 21 is a women's store. We have a guy's corner. I'm not going to say it's a guy's section, but it's a guy's corner. But Kelvin, isn't that a woman's store? <laughs> this is why we're friends. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, potentially for a stock manager position, which is uh, pretty good. It's going to pay me pretty good. Uh, give me benefits and uh, allow me to get some big boy stuff taken care of that I need to get taken care of because uh, traffic tickets suck. So yeah, traffic tickets. I guess things have not been like super fast paced for me because uh, I've just taken the last couple weeks to kind of settle into Pennsylvania and get used to life out there. Uh, meet with some people and just kind of assess uh, like what I'm passionate about. And uh, I've had a lot of like confusing nights and days just not knowing where to go with things um, and just kind of, it's like a big time of transition, obviously. Um, and at home in Michigan, kind of felt like I really knew who I was and like what I was passionate about and where to focus my attention. Um, and I feel like I'm kind of relearning that. So nice. it's like an exciting time, but at the same time, just 
I want to be 10 steps ahead uh, compared to where I am right now. Um, and I can only basically see like the daily steps to take. So it's just kind of a process of learning to exist in a new place. Um, but it's been amazing, been able to spend a ton of time with my fiance. Me and Kendra are getting married in about a month and a half. So that's been amazing after a long distance to be able to see each other every day um, and just get connected in with community with people out there um, and just to spend time together and learn how to go through conflict um, and communicate in person, um, not just through Skype and texting and phone calls. That had a lot of value to it, too, like learning how to communicate in those ways, not face to face, but a lot of learning uh, through that process being face to face now. So Nice. Yeah, I'm excited about all that stuff. Don't know what it's going to look like long term, um, but I know who I'm going to spend it with. Um, so that's exciting. Yeah, well, uh, we have a limited amount of time today because sometimes technology is dumb and uh, my memory card was not working. So I tried another one and it was not working. So we finally got Calvin's to work and we were like, yeah, we got tons of room. And then my Recording device said, nope, you only got 44 minutes. So it'll be a shorter podcast today, um, but we're really excited to have Omer share his heart with you, and uh, we hope you get something from it. So here we go. Omer. Dude. Hello. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. This is this is crazy, but it's outside my comfort zone because I know it's being recorded because <laughs> you've never recorded never <laughs> no well it'll be well, not since not since high school <laughs> <laughs> well it'll be more interesting and more fun that way from the first time i met you i was just kind of like this guy isn't like the this typical older guy um seriously like, you know braided beard uh, you were wearing like a hardcore band t-shirt and you were at a house show um and you crowd surf yeah yes yeah, not many, not many people that I know that are doing that at your age. Um, <laughs> Freaking goals, dude. <laughs> so, like, what kind of led to you, I guess, having a heart for, like, do, I don't know, are you a hardcore older guy? <laughs> <laughs> I've always loved every style of music. There's never been a style I didn't love. I mean, so I've always loved all the way from acoustic all the way to gothic. And going to, going to Cornerstone Music Festival for 16, 17 years just amplified that more. Hmm. But the older I got, the more I went to Cornerstone, the more I found myself kind of zeroing in on the underground tent, which had not only hardcore, but had really some of the most crazy bands you've ever seen. Yeah. And I really realized I loved new music. I've never reached that time when I wanted to listen to old music. I mean, I still love old music, but I always want to listen to new music. And new music that's really unusual is coming out in the alternative area or hardcore more than anything else. And when I thought about it, I really love the passion level. I mean, that's what really excites me. I've always wanted to be passionate about music. But being raised in a Baptist church is kind of hard to be pa passionate about music sometimes. And, and so that's what really got me excited about it. And so, but then, uh, this was nine years ago, I had a heart attack, and God was leading me after that heart attack 
I thought I could go into like retirement, just goof off and whatever. But no, that's not what he had in mind. And he basically was saying, through an artist I met, I want you to spend your time with guys in their 20s and 30s that are artists. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> and basically, that's how it started. Uh, and, and it just grew from there. Huh. So like having like a, a heart to like mentor younger guys in their 20s and 30s? Yeah. And what does that look like uh, for you? Like what forms well, is that taken? And at first, uh, at first it was really clear. I was I was really sensing who God wanted me to spend time with, and all of a sudden, within two or three years, it became, oh, they're all artists. Why is this? In other words, I never really thought of myself an artist. So I kind of thought either God gifted me to understand the heart of the artist. Or I was an artist, and it was kind of drummed out of me when I was younger, hmm. which which happened a lot in my age group, in, in my generation. We grew up like, no, you can't be an artist. You you have to get a job, and you know you have to take care of your family. And so it was really like, I know many my age that have lots of regrets, like they never tried it, they never seek, sought out being an artist and saw what they could do. Hmm. And so my heart went out to the younger artists that had dreams and didn't know how to pursue those dreams. And then in the process, though, what God was really showing me is all of us men, especially not saying that women don't have, but we're brought up so independently that we don't take care of our baggage from the past very easily. We kind of just shove it back. And I was realizing these artists were being hampered, being tied up, so they couldn't really let loose of themselves. And so I had to deal with that aspect. But God had done that aspect in my life not till I was 50, literally. I didn't deal with the stuff. I just kind of ignored it and thought it might go away, and it didn't. And it actually blew up in my face, and I almost lost my family, almost lost everything. And so God was teaching me, you have to deal with this stuff, because if you don't deal with it, it'll come back to bite you. Mm. And sometimes when we realize what happens with Christians when they get older, maybe sometimes they've just never dealt with that stuff, you know. Mm. And sometimes people say, well, they they abandon God. Not not It's not that easy. You know, it's it's really deeper than that sometimes. So, uh, Omer, I've heard you share your story a few times with uh, just, I, I know you mentioned a second ago, like almost losing your family and everything around 50. Um, can you share a little bit about like that time period and what led to coming to that point? I was in youth ministry for almost 20 years. And being in youth ministry, I became a workaholic. Hmm. And so when I saw a hurting kid, I thought it was my responsibility to do something about that. Hmm. And so then a certain place came in, in that time period when I was in ministry where I stopped listening to God telling me who to spend time with. And I started thinking I'm supposed to help everybody. And then being that that I thing of being a workaholic just started taking over. And I started making some real tragic mistakes. But the irony was, 10 years before that happened, 
I started writing material about hurt, bitterness, and healing. And I was totally blind to the idea. God had me researching this for me first. <laughs> yeah. Duh. You know, like how <laughs> blind can we be? Because I thought it was just about who I was spending time with. But no. So in 1990, I had to reread all the material I had written which was 300 pages handwritten. This is before computers, wow. before we had anything like that. So it was all handwritten out, and I had to reread it for me first. And as, as I was reading it, I realized, oh, wow, I haven't dealt with that. Oh, wow, I haven't dealt with that. And all these things that I thought I had taken care of that I hadn't taken care of. And so I started dealing with those things, and then saw a freedom I never expected to have. Hmm. A quick example is the fact that I've never been good with my hands. I'm not a mechanic. I don't fix things. <laughs> I, I I didn't even, I was so petrified to even do anything like that. I wouldn't even know how to call somebody to help fix things because my dad, he had humiliated me to the point where I couldn't do what he could do. Therefore, I never tried it. Hmm. Literally, Months, just a few months after I knew there was some healing from these past wounds, I had to build a house. Never hammered a nail, never built a wall, never did drywall, nothing before then. And while I'm doing it, because the reason, you know, we didn't have extra money to pay somebody to do it, so I got to do it. And while I'm doing it, I suddenly realized, wait a minute, I wouldn't have done this five years ago. Hmm. I would have panicked. I would have lost it. And I said that was gave me the evidence of God's healing over a wound. Now, no, it doesn't mean I'm a perfect mechanic or anything like that. I'm not. But I can try things. I'm not afraid to try things. But that's exactly what I was what I've seen in artists sometimes. I've seen they're afraid to try, they're afraid to reach out, they're afraid to expand because they might fail. That always comes from past always it, 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 the way i look at it anyways i mean like so you said you revisited the 300 pages or so that you had written um would you say like before even revisiting that would you be able to like connect that there were wounds from your father um or do you think that that was just something that you pushed back so deep that you just didn't even realize for there i really knew there were wounds but didn't know how to deal with them other than just try to push them back and laugh at them. In mm. fact, one of the most humiliating things that ever happened to me, I was 11 or 12, had a flat tire on my bike. My dad said, fix it yourself. And I got the tube out, and then I used a staple gun to fix the hole in the tube. Mm. <laughs> and... No, how ridiculous. But see, what I learned to do after that happened to me, I learned to try to laugh at it as a joke. But then when I started going through these notes and realizing, wait, that was, that was never a joke. That was never funny. I was not facing the reality of how much that humiliated me and how deep that wound was. And so as soon as I was willing to forgive my dad of that specific wound, healing started. Hmm. 
and and then I realized, oh, there's lots of other specific times that I remembered that he it hurt me that badly, and I started forgiving for each of those specific times, and realized the healing was coming because I was dealing with it very specifically. What did that uh, healing between you and your father actually look like? By the time I really went through this, my dad had already died, and so oh. I didn't have reconciliation that I want and that's I am glad you asked that because some people confuse forgiveness with reconciliation we talked about that last time yeah reconciliation cannot happen until somebody tells God they forgive if they try to go to the person who hurt them without talking to God first they're probably going to take their anger with them mm -hmm. and if they take their anger with them that doesn't help reconciliation and a lot of the guys I spend time with, I have to tell them, don't automatically assume you're going to have to, you're going to be reconciled with your dad. Don't think your dad's going to change in this because this isn't about you and your dad. It's about you and God and freeing you from the hurt that you received. Mm. Now, some some do ha learn to have reconciliation, but it's most of the time it's years later. I mean, like five, ten years later. Mm -hmm. you know. It, it doesn't happen very often. And so that's kind of, you were, you were saying we're going to talk about this, kind of comes right into play as far as specific forgiveness. Because up before 1990, before I was totally broken, I had forgiven my dad generally. But I wasn't free from anything. I wasn't healed from anything. Hmm. And that's what caused me to, and I wrote this in the notes, and this is what's so amazing. I wrote this in the notes, but didn't even see it for myself. It just, you know, the idea that we know with confession, we have to be specific. We can't just go to bed at night and say, oh, God, I must have sinned today. I don't even know what it was, but, you know, I just confess. We know that that doesn't bring the freedom. Mm-hmm partially because God understands us and knows that we need to confess specifically. And there, and there's like an, uh, an amount of shame with that, you know, where it's yeah. like, yes. and yeah. like, that's not true repentance. Like repentance is straight up, like being able to see like yourself for like the mess that you've made and yeah. be like, yeah, God, like I have messed up. Not just like, yeah, I'm sure I've messed up. And like, I don't want to face myself, you know, like. And, and another way that sometimes happens with men, they'll confess to God about lust, but not specifics. Yeah. 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 And, and, Keep it and general. They, they don't have any freedom from it. Mm -hmm. So I realized the same thing applied to forgiveness because I had generally forgiven my dad, but not all the specifics involved. And all those specifics really created a lot of horrible habit patterns in me. And one of them, we just talked about the idea. I was afraid to fix it. If something broke down, I expected my wife to do it. And I knew that was wrong. I just didn't know. I panicked, you know. And so God, in his grace, blessed me with a wife who knew how to fix things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, provision. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've struggled with the term specific forgiveness because I thought, well, it's not really in Scripture that way. Why do we need to, what what is it about it? And I, I think part of it is we don't have the understanding of forgiveness and confession that the Jewish people did. Hmm. And I think they just 
automatically understood this, that, and we struggled with it. And so I had the opportunity to ask a seminary professor who has written several books about this. And in, in the time where I'm talking to him, he had several earned doctor's degree. And here, me, I don't have a seminary training or anything. He just said, where'd you get the term specific forgiveness? And I said, I, I almost stuttered because I was afraid, okay, what did I say it was wrong? But he said, you're right on. You've got it. It's just what you won't find it in books. Because it's not a term that is easily understood what it means unless it's illustrated. Hmm. And I could illustrate it with my own life. In other words, I forgave my dad, but I didn't forgive the specifics, all the specifics that caused habit patterns in me that just went out of control. In area of, of specific forgiveness that there has been some guys doubt me on this. They've questioned me on this because I say, okay, we have to realize some of our hurts aren't intentional things that dad does to us. They just, they are hurt. They hurt us because they hurt us. However, a hurt real or imagined is still a hurt. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you have to tell God you forgive your dad, even if he didn't intend to. The harder one is when it literally is a sin against you and a sin against God. Okay, what my dad did, I never questioned he loved me. But by the way he handled it, he sinned against me. And so when I talked to God about it, I had to actually say, I forgive my dad for sinning against me. And this gets harder when when I ask the question, sometimes I say, okay, was, did your dad teach you how to be a spiritual leader in your own home? And most of them, I've only had one that ever said yes, uh, but most of them, no, they didn't learn that. And so I said, if your own son doesn't know how to be a spiritual leader in his home, are you sinning against your son? Hmm. And most of the time they realize, yeah, they would be. Well, then it was a sin against you that your dad did that. And this is the kind of thing some people disagree with me on, you know. But I think forgiveness means forgiving every sin against us. But if we don't call it a sin, then unforgiveness reigns. And we don't realize it. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened within me, and I didn't realize it. In other words, I never thought of myself as an unforgiving person, but unforgiveness of all those specific things did control my life. And so even the things that are a little bit vague, even if it's even as a non-Christian dad, if yeah, how would a non-Christian dad know how to teach spiritual? He wouldn't, but it still is a sin against the son, you know, when that happens. Um, I, I, one of the other things I do get asked this, no, we don't have to forgive for every hurt and wound in our lives. But those wounds and hurts that God reveals to us, he's revealed for a reason. Hmm. <laughs> and, and, but we have to ask him, he, he, you know, like I didn't know this till I was 50. So why didn't I? Cause I didn't ask God to show me the wounds I needed to forgive. I just assumed it was all forgiven. Mm -hmm. So God in his incredible love 
and he won't barge into our lives and make us all right, we have to ask him. And so when somebody asks God, okay, what hurts did I receive that I might not remember that I need to forgive for? And in that, I believe God will reveal. And so like, oh, I know I didn't forgive specifically for every hurt and wound in my life, but the ones that God knew were controlling me, God reminded me of. Mm-hmm. So when I started going through those notes, the first, I, I was about four months in the process. I was remembering things that I didn't even remember at all before then. I mean, I just, it was like coming at me like I was being bombarded. But then they'd stop, and I wondered why they stopped. And so two or three days later, more came at me, and I realized, oh, God's just being gracious to me <laughs> because to not overload me. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, all the stuff I would have to go through and, and how long. And I remember one guy I spent time with, he dealt with a lot of stuff right up front, and then we we just built a relationship. And then all of a sudden, four years after I knew him, he said, I thought I was done with this. And he said, I just remembered something that happened. I never, I said, okay, God just knew when you'd be ready for it. Yeah, yeah. But he was still willing to be obedient because he knew that's what God wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I don't try to teach that we have to forgive every hurt, every wound. But God knows the ones that are affecting us the most. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. totally. I, I had heard you had that conversation like with a couple of people beforehand and like heard you talk about it in general terms, you know, like not specifically towards me for a while. But then that week that you stayed at my house and we had like a lot of conversations, it was just cool because like my dad's great. He's an awesome guy. He's like really taught me a whole lot. Like I have nothing but respect for the guy. But like there are so many things where like because of all the things that he's been amazing at, I kind of felt like in my head, like if I focus on the negative parts, it's like a, I don't know, being pessimistic or like holding that against him. Mm -hmm. Um, Where that was just kind of where my mind went, where I was just like, no, I don't hold anything against him. But like, yeah, in reality, whether real or perceived, like you said, like those are things that I need to. Yeah, not not like recognize for the sake of like, he didn't do it right, but more so like, oh, those were things against me, even though they were completely unintentional. Mm-hmm. Um, and that if I don't recognize those as, you know, sins against me, it is essentially, or it is literally pushing those to the side and seeing them as not a big deal. So that when I become a father, it would be very easy right. to repeat the same things or just to uh, neglect certain things and be like, you know, like, yeah, like when my dad didn't do that, you know, it, it wasn't an active sin against me, but it was like more a sin of omission, omission, like I, and yeah. wh- whether or not that's a thing anyway, but well, I don't, okay. I don't usually use that term yeah. because that term isn't understood very well, yeah. but basically, yes. In other words, God knows that I, as a parent didn't do everything right. Therefore I sinned against my son even if I wasn't intentional, it was still, um, it, it wasn't just a nice, easy mistake. It was sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're afraid to call it that. Um, see, I, I knew, I didn't know your dad that well. But when I was there, I could see how you were hurt by him, even if he didn't intend to. Yeah. 
because you're a lot different. (laughs) (laughs) I think being an artist affects this too, because my generation, nor your parents' generation, the men really didn't know how to encourage artists unless they were really operating in the, in the artist area. In other words, some men in my generation and in your parents' generation were artists that learned to kind of set that aside. Yeah. But if, if an artist is oper- actually living in that area, they know how to encourage their own kids that are artists better. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it is a little bit of a generational thing for the artists, at least, because uh, your generation, and I'm using that more broadly, late teens to 30s, uh, is, is much more open to, you know, yeah, go try for it. In other words, if it doesn't work, you come back and get a regular job, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, where previous generations just would not know how to encourage, especially as Christians. That's that's what was hard for me when I, in a church situation, seeing people that, guys that really had tremendous gifts in artistry just be, oh, you got to get a regular job, and it's got, you know, all that type of thing. I think for the heart of the artist, it's even harder, because a lot of times dads don't understand that, even some of the best ones. That's, that's really just, you know, it's a war, dude. They like see it as hobbies. Like you know, yeah, they don't yeah. see the yeah, like they don't see the seriousness in it or like or as like a passion of the heart. Like, yeah. Like, oh well yeah, you yeah. have time for that on the side, but you need to make sure you take care of these priority things first because contributing members of society do X, X and Y. Yeah. So right. you know, yeah. you don't want to bring shame to the family by not contributing to that because I raised you better than that. I'm not speaking out of personal hurt, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah but yeah it's uh <laughs> no no what you said is so true it's actually my generation was really guilty of using that word don't bring shame on the family that was horrible yeah it sucks dude that's that's the worst thing a dad could say to his kids <laughs> it's like, and that places an incredible burden on the kid i mean you know it, it just does so i'm glad to see that in your generation, that word is being set aside and say, wait a minute, that's not necessarily a word out of scripture. We're not supposed to shame people into doing the right thing, you know, mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. So Omar, I, I know that you talked a little bit about like recognizing um, those hurts, like to a certain degree after your dad had passed. Do you, do you think that it's always necessary to like specifically approach someone about like the specific forgiveness for them or do you think that it's more so like a thing between the person and God? I think forgiveness is just between us and God, first and foremost. And then we may be able to go to certain people that have hurt us. And that's really the reconciliation. And as believers, we're supposed to reconcile with all other believers. We're supposed mm-hmm. to be open to that, but we're not. And, and, and the reality of Sometimes those wounds are deep enough that it takes time before we're open to reconciliation. Yeah. And so sometimes, and and I'm one that realizes forgiveness was easy for me generally. <laughs> and therefore, I thought I had it all together. But no, I wasn't very patient with people who didn't forgive <laughs> or that didn't want to rec- that didn't want reconciliation. It's, 
I would I would hear once in a while, yeah, I'll forgive my dad, but don't you ever expect me to talk to him. I said, well, that's something that you can't say God's telling you that because he wouldn't tell you that. Mm-hmm. And it may take time. So, no, I do not say that all wounds need to go to the person at all because God gives the freedom based on us talking to him about the forgiveness. The reconciliation is just a plus. And I do see how much, I'd say a third of the time I see the reconciliation happening. And it is beautiful when it happens. the, The son is able to see, wow, I not only can forgive, but we can rebuild a relationship that I always wanted. Yeah, like how you worded it, like being open to reconciliation. Right. Yeah. Or it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if yeah. if in yeah. your heart you're like, yeah, I've totally forgiven, but you are not open to reconciliation or to like grow or, you know, being on the process towards a reconciliation at some point in time. It's like, yeah. well, I mean, pretty clear indication that you haven't <laughs> probably forgiven right. them between you and God. And, and see, I'm not going to say they haven't told God they forgive, yeah. but I'm going to just say, if you are already saying to yourself, I can never talk to my dad again, then you're, you're, you're actually hindering God's working in your life in a different way. Mm-hmm. And then I usually ask, where did that habit pattern come of your stubbornness with people? And most of the time, it came from being like the dad. Hmm. In other words, it it was a trait of the dad, and they don't realize that they're doing the same thing in a different way. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just that much deeper. Yes, I mean, yes. I understand too. Like the Bible clearly, like Scripture tells us, like you know, to be as far as it depends on us, like you know, live peaceably with all men if possible. You know, and that's kind of been like my heartbeat with things that's been going on with family and stuff. Like you know. I want to be at a position where like the Lord is able because like I believe God for reconciliation for my family. And sometimes things just look they just don't look so bright. You know, if I can just be honest, some days is it's hard and some days it's a lot easier. But like having a posture of being ready for God's move actually prepares him. Like it, it shows your faith in Jesus. Like, God, I believe you for this thing, even though I'm not really seeing it. I want it to happen. I want to be open to it. So. Don't let me be like a block from like you actually moving yeah. on the heart of my dad. Like yeah. I want to be a part of that. But yeah, like, you know, as far as living peaceably with these people or with those who've hurt us, even though we may not take the the accusations directly to them, but like having in that set in our hearts and our minds that, you know, we're going to partner with the Lord and bringing his will down in our families, however that look, you know, may look. Yes. And sometimes that verse is, it's taken out of the context of us thinking, okay, this is some instantaneous process. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, oh, this is a process that could take several years. Uh, another factor of that, which is a kind of a side note, but not because it's something I'm very passionate about. We in the American culture have lifted up our immediate family so high that sometimes when we accept Christ, we forget our family is the body of Christ. And we need the body of Christ to help us be ready for that reconciliation. Mm-hmm. In other words, I could not independently reconcile with, I mean, I had to reconcile with my mom. She was, the, but I mean, I, that was 
that was fairly easy. But I couldn't reconcile. But to reconcile with my sisters in, in that, yes. But I needed the body of Christ to support me in that. Yeah. I could not just go into it. And we're so independent sometimes we try to do this, and I've seen guys try to do this on their own. No, they shouldn't. I mean, ironically, even before my own healing, I knew a guy who was 18. He'd gone on one of the cross-country bike trips, and I just said, you have to forgive your dad. And he said, you're telling me I have to forgive my dad for strangling my mom in front of me when I was eight years old. And I said, oh, <laughs> yes, I'm saying that. And he did forgive his dad. I can't even imagine what that, I mean, who can identify with something like that? He to actually, he saw his dad strangle his mom to death when he was only eight years old. Four years later, he went to visit his dad at Jackson in prison. And I said, that's reconciliation. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I kept telling him it may happen, but I didn't want to try to lift up his hopes, hopes too high because that's, that's a really rough one. Yeah, but I don't even happened. understand. Yeah, dude. Yeah, like, I... That's a heck of a start. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. That was the most specific. That's when God was really teaching me about specific forgiveness, and I didn't realize it, you know, because that was a specific, deep, deep, deep wound. Yeah. How do you, you know, how do you get through something like that? Mm -hmm. And he had before that just tried to live above it. That's what most of us American males were taught live above it, you know, just live above it. You know, and it doesn't work in the long run. Mm. And you, you, I know you've heard me say the idea of if we don't deal with this stuff, we take him into our marriage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, I just see that over and over again, which just compels me more. Mm -hmm. but, but back to the other, back to something that I did struggle with. Okay, the workaholic. Once I was free from that, I learned I wasn't free from that that could never happen to me again. Yeah. Mm. I have to be on guard. Why? The compassion level in me still wants to help more people. Yeah. So I have to say no, no, no to guys. And I have to say no to myself. Okay, I can read something on Facebook and say I should write him. And then before I write him, I say, okay, God, am I supposed to write him? Send him a message. Mm -hmm. And sometimes he says no, and I don't do it. But I have to remind myself to ask God if it's okay to develop a friendship, a relationship in every situation like that. Yeah. I know that's definitely me. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't have like a, an attitude of feeling like I can fix things, but it's more so like my heart goes out to situations, you know? Where like that that empathy is there, but there were so many times in the past that I felt completely overwhelmed because it was just like everyone like <laughs> I don't know like my heart breaks for everybody you know seriously um, dude oh but my gosh just like getting to a point of really being in prayer for people and like yeah all right God like who do you want me to focus on because 
I'm going to make a mess of things and be completely overwhelmed and give everyone my leftovers if unless like you're directing that. Yeah, yeah that that's a good way of putting it. We end up giving the leftovers mm-hmm. and, and and see okay, so I was operating in the wrong in ministry and yet God blessed that ministry in spite of myself. Yeah. I don't have to look back in regret because I get to see where God has actually worked when I didn't think he was working, mm-hmm. even though I was doing it the wrong way. Yeah. And that's, it reminds you more that really, what am I doing? I'm just, I'm just this instrument. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's all I am. Seriously. So, um, Omer, unfortunately we're just about out of time, like really close. Um, <laughs> but, uh, what would be like your closing thoughts? Um, just to encourage people to let God show them the wounds they need to forgive. I think all of us need somebody else to walk us through that process. I don't think we're supposed to do it independently, but I don't have to be involved all the time either. Yeah. And like you don't have, but I believe if somebody's really searching with all their heart, God will reveal, and they'll also reveal somebody that can help them walk through that process. Mm-hmm. That's why all my notes, which turned into about 60 pages on the computer, uh, I'm not, I would never publish a book because I wouldn't want somebody to use it as self help material. Right. And there's too much, quote, Christian self help stuff out there now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's a side that shouldn't be in there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Omer, thanks so much for sharing your heart on that. Seriously, um, man. Yeah, we're just about out of time on this, but uh, I'll talk to you yep. soon. Yep. All right, so that was Omer. Um, hope you got a lot from that. I know I definitely did. We don't really have any time left on our card, so thanks so much for your time. Check out our website, letgoddie.com, if you want to click the support tab to help us out. That'd be great. Till next time. Love you guys. Peace out. <laughs>